everyone, Michael Antonovich with Swap Moto Live here for another installment of the Midweek Podcast presented by Yoshimira R&D. When the FIM World Supercross Championship was announced a few months ago, we quickly assumed that Moto Concepts Racing would be involved. Mike Genova, the owner of the independent team that's become a mainstay in the paddock, has long been vocal in his beliefs that following the traditional path would take MCR and the sport so far. So we weren't surprised when Moto Concepts Racing was among the first teams awarded a highly sought-after license by SX Global. MCR will field four riders between the SX1 and SX2 categories during the World Supercross pilot season, which will take place in the final months of 2022, and they're confident that their lineup will be championship contenders. According to Genova, the program presented by SX Global checks every box for MCR, including financial support for teams, appearance fees, logistical support for the international tour, and a vested stake in the future of the series. The business side of them sees plenty of positives too, as the commercial opportunities could bring more money to the team, its partners, and its other ventures. Expect to hear plenty more about the FIM World Supercross Championship in the coming weeks. The series still has four team licenses to announce, plus competitors in both classes, supporting sponsors, a broadcast package, and the race dates and locations. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. I'm always trying to be better, so feel free to share your comments or recommendations on what you'd like to hear or see. As always, be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, and visit SwapMotoLive.com. You already know that Yoshimira makes the best exhaust options for Honda motocross and off-road bikes, but did you know they make great power for Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, Husqvarna, and Gas Gas? Yoshimira has been delivering power since 1954 and can make your bike run and sound the best it can. Visit them at Yoshimira-RD.com to see how they can make your bike bark. Hey, Mike, it's good to get on the phone with you after a really good season. You know, we look back to 2020 and 2021 and where Moto Concepts was with the challenges that you guys faced as you tried to do new things. But then this year, another change going to split 250 guys and then Justin Brayton full-time in the 450 class with Mitchell and Vince stepping on. You know, a, a nice change of pace for you, and it paid off really well. So cool to see how this year went uh, at the guys you have and everything that's going on. Looking back on the 2022 season as it was, how was it for you? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, thanks for pointing that out. It's been it was it was great. It was a lot of fun for us in 21. It was kind of um, hard on us. You know, we had uh, some really good riders that just for whatever reason didn't want to push or or whatever, and we were finishing you know 13, 14, 15, whatever week in week out in the, in, in the 450 class, uh, albeit a tough class. Um, you know, we, we Vince was um, a bit injured wasn't getting whole shots and leading and so there was just a lot of um, um mundane racing going on and so that was discouraging and and so tony and i really uh, sat down and said um we can't do it this way we got to come up with a different plan and we formulated um what we did this year and um, the design on that was that we got really good guys that um can drop down to uh, the 250 class and 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 be competitive in there and well, it's a, kind of a mindset in our industry that, that you don't do that. Um, we said, why not? And we need to, and we're going to um, for financial reasons. And so when we proposed that to our sponsor group, um, you know, everybody was kind of excited uh, for the fact that our guys might be, you know, more involved in the front uh, versus the middle or the back. And and we're more excited about being part of it with us. When Honda and Bullfrog, all those guys thought it was um, a reason to 
to want to be be part of it and so it worked out our guys stayed healthy that was our about our strategy um, we know that the 250 class is a bit volatile and so we our mantra was stay healthy um, a little attrition a little bit of um, age maturity and racecraft is going to go a long way and um, we guessed right so it was great and then with Justin um, uh, we orchestrated the best we could with the help of Feld and, and others to really kind of focus on a really class guy on his you know kind of farewell last farewell tour last year and 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 that was fun too so we we really really had a fun and enjoyable uh year this year in in 22 supercross you know looking back to like this time last year at the first part of last summer when we were going to the first outdoor national one there were rumors like moto concepts is done they're not going to race they're going to go arena cross only and all these things to see you guys make that big change like you did and to see it pay off, that really goes to show uh, the risk and the investment that you're going to take into keeping this program going. Because not only is it like, okay, we're going to buy 250s and we're going to drop back down, and people would think that's like, well, they're sandbagging because they're going to a lower class. You probably had a bigger challenge than if you would have fielded three full-time 450 riders because it was an all-new bike. There were limited parts for it. You guys had to do all of your own testing and development for it, and it was a completely unproven system. So it was cool to see how this venture that you and Tony wanted to take on worked out so well because, like you had said, the last two seasons it kind of put you guys up against the wall and really maybe it made you doubt the reasons for being in a pit sometimes. Well, perfectly said and perfectly um, uh, you know, recognized. You know, it... Um, for people that may may or may not understand all this, you're right. Um, you know, we looked at it and said, okay, we're going to do 250s. And, you know, because of the pandemic, product wasn't available in, in finished bikes. Um, Honda was launching a new um, bike in the, tw- in the 250 class 22. And, um, you know, it, it was uh, considerably a better bike than the 21. So we couldn't lean on the 21. So we had to start fresh and to start fresh um, when bikes aren't even available till you know we're looking at October or whatever it was a real challenge of how do we take get a bike and then how do we get parts for a bike and how do we get um, you know spec and motor development and it's a huge huge testament to Chad at XPR of what he was able to accomplish in 60 days we'll call it of building a motorcycle like, like Vince was riding our 250 and in in late November and he was extremely discouraged because the bike wasn't to the point it needed to be and we knew it wasn't we weren't trying to sell them on it it just we hadn't had enough time to get it where we needed it to be yet and we promised him with our fingers crossed we promised him that come um December 25th, if you call it Christmas, they were going to give him a Christmas present of a really good bike. And, and we did. And, and so, um, but yeah, that took an incredible amount of money, um, development and, and effort. You know I mean? Like, like, you, you know, just looking at the cam, you know, like Chad couldn't even source a, a group of cams. He actually, you know, build his own cam out of billet uh, steel and uh, you know so uh, lots lots of stuff going on real quick to make a bike to race with the stars and the, and the Mitches of the world that have been on that equipment for years on end uh, so fast forwarding that all kind of 
played into a really good point because today, you know, you guys are part of the first four team and teams announced for the FIM World Supercross Championship. And part of that's going to be, hey, you have to have two 450 guys and two 250 guys. So now you have the whole package. You have both bikes set up and very competitive and guys that are going to be ready to race for it. So that little bit of work in the preseason for this year, it seems like it's going to be a very nice payoff for the next few years. Dumb luck, um, I, I, ironic, uh, you know, whatever. Not a master plan. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, a bit of a master plan. I mean, uh, so the, 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 you know, the world supercross global supercross guys called us, called me about, I'm guessing it was about November or whatever and said, Hey, Brayton, uh, is a guy we know and like and trust. And he says, you're um, a good guy to be talking to. And, um, they actually even talked to their fellow Australian, Chad Reed and, Chad has respect for me, uh, mutual respect for me, um, like I do him, and and so he 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 recommended me. So they, they, I was one of their first calls to say, "What do you think?" And this is what we're up to, and this is what we want to do, and how we want to do it. Would you be interested? And and it took me about thirty seconds to say, "Look, I don't know if you guys can pull the rabbit out of that, but I'm willing to bet you can. If you can, this is a great, great." great thing for companies like mine and so we're in so that being said um as we were kind of getting our 250 legs under us yeah we had it all you know mapped out that that would apply to you know what we're going to be doing um with the global supercross group but yeah we're in a we feel we're in the catbird seat um we've got riders and bikes um all packaged up and really ready to go while some of these other teams that are joining in uh, might be motocross teams or whatever. Um, they've got to get some stuff uh, ironed out and, you know, we we're we're good to go. We've got our, our guys slated. Um, we're still working on our fourth rider, but um, yeah, um, we're good to go. You know, you've always been very uh, active and vocal in wanting to try something that's different than just the industry norm of, 17 Supercrosses followed by 12 Outdoor Nationals and just trying to do everything you guys can for MCR to stay within that mold. So what was it when the World Supercross people came to you that was just so appealing? Was it because it was different or was there a detail that really stuck out to you of, I have to get involved in this? Well, I've again, I've been um, on record for saying that I think that um, supercross motocross is too much i don't think it's healthy for um the riders to ride that much i think that it's causing injury and, and early retirement um the people inside the industry know that most of the riders don't want to do motocross it's too much if they're not if they're a top three they're making some additional monies but if they're not um they're just riding to fulfill um their obligation and it's tough uh, in hot weather and so on so we don't really believe that the two series um connected works um i don't believe that it works financially i don't think that our industry has enough money uh, uh to really run two series again the the bike brands can write any size check they want but at some point uh it, it it's got a it's got a pencil and so i don't believe in the two series um uh, for our for our industry now that being said the the global supercross model 
is one that is a similar model to really all professional sports, whether it's stick and ball or Formula One or whatever. And that is, is that the, there's a limited amount of teams that get to participate. You have to prove your, your, your worth one way or another. And it's an exclusive club. Um, you don't just get to show up in a truck. And when you are part of that exclusive club, um, you're, 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 you have the opportunity to mm, generate revenue and income off of the series itself. And in the current structure and Feld structure, whatever, the teams do not get to be part of any of that other than raising their own personal sponsorship. And that's all well and good, but that's not as easy as people think it is uh, for our team or RCH or Gibbs or the many other pretty powerhouse teams that have said can't generate enough sponsorship money to pay the pay the pay the bills um and of course the get the better the rider the higher the cost and probably the harder it is to keep the team open so this model of the world supercross is a model that uh enables the teams to be um uh able to generate revenue via um the the series but then in addition it has a huge opportunity in our minds to um because it's on a world platform um, we believe that world brands um, uh, have the have, will have the desire to be part of uh, one of the ten teams or all the ten teams, I guess. And so uh, we think it has um, great sponsorship opportunity, far greater than just the limited amount in America. While while we while as Americans we love America and think we're the greatest, and we are, but it's still just America. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that they've really talked about so much, and, and I mean, I get why, the $50 million investment by Mubalda, uh, the Emirati investment group that's going to come into this, that's a big deal, and you guys are getting paid to it. But something that I've heard from teams is the amount of money that that's coming in is still a fraction of how much it's going to be for this thing to go. So you know, as things are like, you guys are going to get some support to do this, but there's still a lot of financial responsibility on you to make these things happen. Yeah, they're going to have freight and lots of other things handled that you guys are going to be ready for. But when it comes down to it, it's not like you guys are just showing up on Saturday and and riding. There's still a lot of work that has to be done and a lot of money to keep this thing going from your end too. Yeah, I mean... You know, because like the, I think the perception right now that so many people have is like, well, if they're going to pay these teams to go race, then these teams don't have to, to spend anything. But from what I'm hearing from other people is like, well, yeah, that's going to definitely help. But there's still costs that the teams are still going to have to cover. It's not like this money that you guys are getting paid for by that series is going to cover every expense you have and then some. It's, it's super helpful, but it's not going to be the end all be all to make it like an all expenses paid trip around the world. So, um, if you're a guy like me or somebody like Roger Penske or whoever it might be, um, not to compare myself with him, but you know, it, it, it you're into racing, right? And you know, there's a risk reward equation, and 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 so, um, in our current Feld world, um, the risk reward is is really not very good in terms of uh, reward. And so each year, my company chooses to lose uh, 
you know, a million dollars a year or more, or um, even when we get support. And so, how do you shrink that number? And in 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 the model we have, well, we feel like it's really going to be very difficult to do that um, with the global supercross program. That number right out of the gate is going to be way less than 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 where we're at now um and so um is it gonna are they gonna give us enough support that we don't have to that we can that we may not lose money no probably not it's not that much support and 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 so but but there's a couple things one is 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 when you're in my shoes and and you have enough money to do it there's a lot of people that do, right? But a lot of people pull out because they never get the um, a contribution from the people that are making money. So, like, you know, like Eric Pernock told me, he's like, I, I live down in Florida and got guys who are, you know, spending five and $10 million on racing boats. And it's like, they don't mind spending the money out because when they put on a show, they get some return on it, and it's, it's so it's a feel good as an owner to say, "Hey, we're losing money, but we're not, but at least we're getting some of it back um, via the people that are making the money." So, um, you know, and then it's just a, you know, the sponsorship opportunity in our mind is such that we could potentially not only quit losing money, but maybe even make money as a company and as a race team and that's really what all race teams should be doing and in the bigger leagues they do do that um not so much in the motocross supercross world so um yeah so they're giving us some money to get us going to show um good faith on their end and and participation um and and hopefully that number continues to grow but as an owner of the team if the series turns out good and we have a good team and i decide i want to not somebody else let me rephrase it if somebody else wants to get in and wants to come to me and partner with me which we've already had some pretty big names actually request to talk about that um, partnering with us, but if they want to partner with us or um, take over my team, um, they can't just show up with a semi and outperform us because they bought a better rider. They have to actually buy my team or a, a, one of the other nine. And so we have equity. I have something that if I decide to quit doing this, I can theory sell it. But again, that's re- we're relying on you know the series to be successful for it to be worth anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, on the sponsorship front, if you say like a company like Redline Oil, which is just one part of a massive oil company, or Specialized Bicycles, who you guys got this year, which is seeing just growth all around the world as the e-bike segment for mountain biking and city cycling and all that blows up. (laughs) When you guys show them the potential for this new series, what is their immediate reaction? Like, is this something that really perks their ears up, or have so many advertisers been sold Supercross and motocross sponsorship packages for so long that they just think it's the same thing. 
No, I think the worldwide um, platform that this series presents um, is pretty easy for most anybody um, to understand the value of it. You have to have a worldwide company. So like when I talk with Bullfrog, they're not necessarily that worldwide. They're sold in Europe and, and so on under a different brand. So it's not something that probably would work for a Bullfrog, uh, a small to medium company. You know, But when you talk about a multi, multi-billion dollar company that broadcasted all over you know the world and uh, yeah it it, to answer your question a specialized is very much like yeah we sell bikes worldwide and we'd like to have the ability to to maybe um broadcast our brand most of these worldwide companies have worldwide distribute distributors or distribution centers that they would love to you know um uh collaborate with or or support you know um uh, a specialized would love to have um, to be able to support um one of their distributors in one of these race venues and so on so it has a big picture um outlook that again is probably not probably is definitely is way bigger than than our current just american only series again the 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 race product meaning the the, the promoter and in its effort to bring excitement has to do its job and if they do like formula one has um it's no different than the success or vision or or, or model that is already successful in in moto gp or formula one you know, so yeah, these 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 worldwide brands are very excited. In their defense, that's what's good about this three or four race teaser in twenty two is it, it, we, everybody gets to get a sampling of what's to come. So that's kind of the added, been a, a lot of the attitude. It's been fun to talk one-on-one with people like Dave Prater, Andrew Baccarosa, Jeff Crutcher, Bruce Sternstrom, and Mike Genova about whatever I want. And that's thanks to everyone at Yoshimira R&D for supporting this feature. Check out Yoshimira's website and social media accounts for more great content. You know, um, you've been around this for so long. And to see everything that you've said, because like you've you said earlier, you've been on record in saying your thoughts on this. We all know that Mike Genova's not afraid to tell us how he feels. Did you ever think that something of this level, of this just shift was possible? Did you ever think that this was going to happen? Or did you kind of start to get resigned that it was something that would be talked about and never acted upon like writers unions and all the other things that we hear people talk about seeing in the sport. Um, yeah. So, um, it's a great question. The answer is, I think I've always thought that it needs something needed to change and that the models that we currently have can only hold water so long and again if any of these bike brands decide to cut back or any of these monster energy type companies start to cut back i just don't know the viability of of what we do uh currently how strong it is and and everybody that is in the know as as recent team owners or managers companies they they all know that they all agree with that right so um it was kind of just like well the only player that really holds all the cards is feld and feld doesn't really want to change the model because they 
like 80 guys coming in and squeezing it down to 22 for the race um, and, and taking those tickets. They like the monster support and, and, uh, and you know, the during the uh, Saturday event support. And they've got it. They've got it pretty dialed in for Supercross. And then the Supercross, of course, is value add to everything they do on the truck side. And so that model that they've been able to get away with works for them and probably will continue to get better and better if TV and this and that gets better. But the model is really only working, in my opinion, for them because I don't believe that the bike brands and the old, you know, race on Sunday, sell on Monday adage is really that. I personally don't think it has that much, uh, you know, relevance and, and strength anymore. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't run a bike company um but and and you know it's and and it, it did do great things for monster energy and stuff but so the model is really good for you know felled and maybe a couple of people but it, it it just what is it so did i feel like it was ever going to change um the only one that really could change it would have been felled or of course an outsider so no it totally blindsided me that these guys um um you know, the FIM chose them and worked out a deal and, and, and created a structure. And that's why I was so excited when they came to me and said, here's what we're thinking. And it's like, holy moly, everything that we kind of thought needed to happen and wanted to happen. It's, it's, it's happening. And I want to do everything I can to, to make it succeed and whatever succeed is, who knows? So, yeah. Um, yeah. On a different note, you said um, rider unions. I, I've been so desirous of trying to help people understand that that uh, a rider union is not necessary. A rider union or a team, a players union, is a great thing needed if the teams that they work for are mistreating them. But that's not really where the problem is. In fact, the writers are probably mistreating the teams. Um, it, it, so a writer union is not needed. A team owner or group uh, union is needed, an association. And that's what this product brings. That's what is, you know, who owns the NFL? It's the NFL team owners, uh, NBA. And so that's what's needed is 20 owners, 30 owners, 10 owners, working together, controlling what's going on and getting paid as a team so that we can then treat the writers the way people want them to be treated. Mm -hmm. Every time that someone says that, and I agree, there are you know, more people to organize and be on the same page within themselves of knowing, hey, if we all have this set of expectations to work towards, let's do it together, rather than every guy just fighting for himself out there and never making progress. But at the same time, any time that anyone has ever said we need a union or we need this or we need that because baseball has it or NBA has it or football has it, I always tell them, well, you need to invest, investigate in what makes those associations actually work. Who's the people that are behind them? How is it managed? Who are the people that are calling these shots? Who's the representation for the athletes in that regard? And it's so much more complex than just like, well, 25 of us are going to band together and then like pick at the starting line. It, it's so much more than that that people never really put two and two together and uh i think as more information about that stuff kind of becomes more apparent and we try to become more like these mainstream sports those challenges but those opportunities will become more apparent 
Uh, something you and I were talking about before we started this phone call was, or this interview was, um, you know, there's a lot of concern that this isn't going to be like the AA level talent that so many people think that they have to have for a Saturday night Supercross. But as we've seen over these last few years, more competition and more racing and more things that are out there, the really interested race fan is going to watch that. They're going to watch, they'd they'd watch PW50 kids race around trash cans in the parking lot if they could. But then the casual fan that doesn't really know what's going on, they're not really too sure of a difference between you know, the guy that's in first place in the 450 class, or seventh place in the 450 class to 17th place in, you know, they, they just think it's the same guy and they don't really see a lot of that stuff there. Um, something that you said, though, was like, people are going to be interested to see good racing and, and that's really going to help drive interest in this because it is going to be good racing that's at these events. Um, kind of what is your thought on the competition element going into this, this uh, trial season or pilot season? Sorry. Yeah, well, it'll still be good. Like knowing some of the guys that are attached, it'll still be good. But uh, for so many people that write this off because Rider X isn't going to be there, so it's not worth watching. What would convince them otherwise? Well, I just don't believe that majority. You know, when you when you pack on Anaheim and Anaheim one into the stadium, um, I'm I'm guessing here. I'm just spouting off numbers. I have no you know real factual backing on any of it but of the 50,000 people that are in that stand in those stands I'm betting that you know a lot of those people are kids or um, wives of attorneys or an attorneys who are taking their kids that don't really follow the sport that closely so of the 50,000 people that are in those stands I'm not sure 10,000 of them know who Ken Roxon and, and Tomac is versus Vince Fries and Justin Brayton. And I'm not sure they care either. What they do like is seeing bikes fly in the air, starts, um, pyrotechnics, uh, uh, you know, um, excitement, and so on. And so I think that people go to the races for more than just and, – and by the way, the difference of uh, – of, uh, uh, a Tomac versus a Brayton in terms of uh, for the average fan watching them ride the bike, there's no difference. They, I can barely tell the difference, right? Okay, we can see it in lap times, meaning a ten, if I, you know, a half a second or a second, which at the end of the race equals first versus a tenth or whatever it might be. But what those guys do on a bike is so they're all so you know such an equal playing field that the average fan can't see the difference of performance and so then it becomes like well then i'm just going to go because my favorite writer's there well i just don't believe that of the fifty thousand that they're all that biased or their favorite writers okay and so to prove my point on that is that um people want good entertainment We'll pick hockey for an example. Okay, you've got the NHL and, and, the, and the great uh, teams that are in there, and they're packing, I don't know, whatever they're getting in those, you know, those those arenas. I mean, hockey's not as big as football, but what are they getting, 25, 30,000 people maybe in a, a hockey game? Um, it, well and good, right? But yet you look at um, – that's major league hockey, but you've got minor league hockey in these bigger cities also that's getting what 15,000 people at the hockey game. You're a sticking ball guy, Mike. You're my crazy on my numbers, but and so, so 
the point is is that people if, if they'll go to major league hockey if they've got it but they'll also fill stadiums of minor league hockey why because it's good it's good hockey it's good it's good entertainment and so for people to say that if if you don't have these five said writers that the show's not going to be good enough and people that aren't going to go that might be the case for a minority but um there's a lot of people in the stadiums and cities uh as you and i were talking about i mean mexico city putting on a race once a year that um it, you know it doesn't seem like a stretch to 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 get 30 40 50,000 people to go to that and so um and maybe it's more the following year because of the word of mouth that it was a really cool experience so um i i don't know yeah no i uh, agree i agree because you know even to that point think about the fans that go to the nhl games i'm sure that they're like right now with the stanley cup playoffs happening Sure, there's a lot of people that know every player and every stat of everyone right. on the starting lineup, but I'm sure there's a lot of fans that are like, well, I'm going to have a couple beers because this thing's on at 7 o'clock, and I'm just going to watch some guys smash into each other on the ice and cheer for it. Like, there's, you're always going to have that big divide, and to try to always sell to the most core person is very, very challenging. Fair. You know, there's always pros and cons to everything. So you being a guy that's seen a lot of this, had the package sold to you, signed on for it. Was there anything when Adam and Tony and Ryan came to you with this idea that you saw and was like, uh, I'm not really a big fan of that. Uh, was there something that you saw in the structure that could have been improved? And, and how was that? Is it a logistics thing? Is it a schedule thing? Is there anything about the World Supercross program that you did have a little bit of apprehensions about? You know, I'm, I, I consider myself a decent business guy and pretty attuned to what's going on. I'll tell you what, um, I, I can't. I can't find a flaw in, in these guys and what they're thinking, what they're saying, um, their attitude, their presentation, uh, their, their delivery, their prepare, uh, their planning and preparation. It's, I mean, these guys are solid, intelligent, um, business guys. And that's not even including the, the, you know, the equity guys are way above them that how, you know, own those kind of dollars to help people with, uh, it's just, you're talking about some really intelligent experienced professionals here. And so, no, I, I haven't found a flaw in what they're thinking and saying. Um, Tony Cochran is, an old guy like me, he started it from nothing with the supercar thing, sold it for 300 some million dollars. Um, well healed guy, straight shooter. Um, and Adam and Ryan, um, in their collective um, positions, doing what they do differently each. Um, sharp guys. Um, I was talking with um, uh, somebody. Um, the other day it said these guys said to him at Bercy in 2010 we're going to put on a race and I don't think these guys must have been 22 years old or whatever and they're like yeah good luck and this person was sharing with me that he's been to the Oz Open much like you and he's like these young guys knock it out of the park and um isn't that isn't that all about isn't that what you know ingenuity and entrepreneurship is all about and so yeah I I love working with these guys. Um, it's early. They might surprise me and and um, kick me in the groin or something, but um, I don't see it. They're they're good guys and they're they're sharp professionals. 
unlike uh, a lot of the other teams that are going to commit get committed to this, like Dustin Pipes, who's going to race the 12 nation, uh, Nationals this summer, you guys have these next couple months to just prepare everything, box it up, and get it ready to go. So what does the time frame look like for this summer? What does Tony have the guys doing to get the team ready to ship out? Yeah, um, different. Good question. Um, probably different than most any other team. Um, we believe in R and R. We believe in shutting down. Um, and so, currently, we're cleaning up uh, bikes and equipment and trucks and all that kind of stuff from you know really nine months of work or whatever. And so, um, you know, Tony's running his little mini bike series and, and the mechanics, um, some of them are sitting home playing golf and, and so on. So not a lot going on. Um, our intent, um, now that the series is, uh, changed their opening day to October 8th in England. Um, our intent is to really just take the summer off until, um, uh august one ish 15 ish um we'll have all the bikes sitting there prepped and ready to go um race bikes built we have to send those um in a container so that'll all be the infrastructure stuff will all be in place and we start um riding um august 15th our guys have been riding our testing's really been done um our bike and spec is in place so we're good to just get back at it and start doing the lifting as a rider um and um you know not overlift um uh, and uh, come into the first round um prepared bike wise um rested and um you know race tested a little bit from the earlier uh 17 rounds and um ready to get after it um i think we uh will field um, uh, a group of guys on the bike that we're gonna vie for both championships all right mike well hey it was always good to talk to you it's always good to catch up with you uh you know it was a great year for you guys and to see where the things are building for right now and just how you know involved you are to keep this thing going it's always good to chat with you uh i look forward to seeing you whenever we catch up again yeah, and likewise, and thanks for the opportunity. I, you know, I, I hope it doesn't come across as that the way we do it and view it is the only way, but it's just the way that we do and view it. And um, you know, I'm glad for the platform to kind of, um, I'm, I'm interested in helping the industry and the race racers and the race industry get better and be better and 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 more healthy. So, thanks for the opportunity to kind of express um, how we maybe can do that as a group. I appreciate the time. Oh yeah, always, always. I mean. For me, this is a huge treat for me just to talk about racing and, and all details of it all the time. And uh, like what you and I were saying before we started this interview, there's fans that are out there that just know so much about racing, but the stuff that happens in the background, you know, that doesn't happen on the track, the, the things that really make the business go forward. And the more that we can learn about that and talk about that and show to fans how things are there, the bigger this thing's going to become. And having guys like you being so forthcoming with details all the time. I mean, hell, uh, Mike, I'll never turn down an interview with you. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Michael.